Web 2.0. Innovation. Trend. Collaboration. Software. Got the world turning as fast as it can? Hear how technology can help, legally speaking, with two of the top legal technology experts, authors, and lawyers, Dennis Kennedy and Tom Mile. Welcome to the Kennedy Mile Report here on the Legal Talk Network. And welcome to episode 84 of the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Dennis Kennedy in St. Louis. And I'm Tom Mile in Dallas. Today's podcast is brought to you by our sponsor, Clio, online practice management for attorneys at goclio.com. In our last podcast, we talked about the hot, hot, hot topic of iPad apps. In this episode, we take on a topic that's become a necessity and one that no matter how much we want to avoid it, and believe me, we do want to avoid it, it seems to keep bubbling up to the top of the list. Tom, it was great getting the chance to see you in person last week at the Missouri Solo and Small Firm Conference and the 70 Tips in 70 Minutes session you were part of with a stellar panel of our legal tech friends. And we also got to see Jack Newton of our, our sponsor, Clio, at the same conference. So what's on our agenda for this episode? Well, Dennis, in this edition of the Kennedy Mall Report, we're talking about passwords in light of some recent high visibility password breaches that uh, you may have read about in the past couple of weeks. In our second segment, we're continuing with our new feature called The Rant. And as usual, we'll finish up with our parting shots, that one tip, website, or observation that you can start using the second this podcast is over. But let's get started on our first segment, and that is the subject we would love to avoid if we could, but can't, and that's passwords. We learned last week that nearly 6.5 million passwords for the professional networking site LinkedIn were leaked uh, to and, and appeared on a Russian hacking site. We also found out that passwords were stolen for Last.fm and eHarmony members as well. I, I think every time a story like this comes up... The pundits, the articles, the tech journals, they always revisit the issue of the importance of having strong passwords. We always get a number of legal technology blogs that that post about doing strong passwords. And as always, very few people, if anybody, listens. So, Dennis, where where are we these days on passwords? And I guess the more important question, why are we even going to talk about this if nobody's going to listen in the first place? Well, Tom, obviously, it never bothers us whether people are going to listen to us or not because we have important information and it will – Get out there, and and people will will listen to us one one of these days. <laughs> but no, I, I think people just flat out can't uh, can't avoid uh, dealing with passwords these days. I mean, the news stories um, are scary enough, but when you you sort of read into the details of what's going on, um, I see a change happening in the world of of passwords. I mean, the recommendations for the most part are the same: strong passwords, combination of uppercase, lowercase letters, numbers, and symbols. Um, at least eight characters, although we're seeing a, a, definitely people saying to go to at least 12 or maybe even you know 20 or more characters. Um, and so so you see you see that so the recommendations stay the same, but I think in these new things uh, that have happened recently, it's, it gives us a chance to go back and take a look at, at passwords and, and a number of issues out there. And for me, the, the big learning on this is the, the danger of, of using the same password on multiple sites, which uh, I assume many people are, are guilty of. Well, you know, it's funny that you should say that because I'm going to confess some password uh, laxity on this podcast, and I encourage you, Dennis, to do the same. But but what 
one of the tools that we're going to spend a lot of time talking about is LastPass because it is my password tool. But what I, I went and did a check on it this morning. It allows you to do something called a security check, which tells you how strong your passwords are. And and I learned a couple of months ago that my passwords are not very strong because I'm still keeping many of the shorter passwords. But what I learned when I went into it, I'm, I'm actually um, storing passwords for 386 separate websites right now. Um, but I learned that 217 of them are duplicates, which means I'm keeping keeping the same password for uh, for 217 different sites, which I think um, is, is a security issue. You know, one of the things that we'll talk about, um, one, one of the ways to deal with, with password security is the idea of the passphrase. Uh, and although it has some some issues, I think that it's 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 still a valid uh, strategy for managing the passwords. But but the problem with the passphrase is, is that it it lulls you into what I think is a false sense of security, which means that you you put together a passphrase that should be unbreakable, but then you use it for every site that you have because it's something you can remember and therefore you use it for all your sites. And I think that that, that lends pe- lulls people into a false sense of security and, and that if it gets stolen from one site, then that sort of opens it up for all the sites, which I think is, is really the danger. I, I'm not as worried about my password being stolen from one site. I'm, I'm, I'm more worried about about the fact that whoever steals my password in one instance has access to my passwords in multiple places. Yeah, Tom, and, and to ex- explain what you mean by the passphrase is that rather than coming up with a, you know, a word combination of words, combination of characters, you're taking something like uh, you know a uh, a line from a movie, uh, you, you know, favorite quote, something like that, and just typing that, running it all together as as one passphrase. So it's really easy to remember. Um, but you know it becomes a strong password just because of the the length of it so we've we've seen that that approach and it is good time to kind of go back and take a look at at what you do. I I have this tendency to where I have duplications is, is sort of throw. I have sort of a throwaway password. So the thing the counts that really don't matter that much to me, um, I I tend to use uh, reuse a, a password and then it's you know easy enough to to remember those things. I'm really starting to break out of of that habit because I don't think that's a great one. And the other thing, Tom, that uh, these recent uh, attacks have uh, revealed to me is that even with the passphrase <clears throat> are a really good strong password if if you're reusing it what's happening is when they reveal those passwords they get added to the to the hacker password dictionaries so when they run these brute force attacks it just becomes one other combination that that they will try and so yeah if you're using it on on more than one site, then potentially all those sites become vulnerable, uh, which I think all of which is is sort of driving us back to uh, you know to the password safe as, as they call it, the type of programs that, uh, that that you have mentioned already. But we just come a long way to you know from the days when you know, had these really simple passwords and you know basically some variation of pin number. Um, I remember. You know, back at old law firms when I would get a, a I once took a, a loaner laptop out and I got confused because they actually did, the password was password. And so where they had <laughs> written password on the yellow sticky on the outside of the laptop they had given to me, um, I thought they had forgotten to write down the password because I couldn't believe that they used the word password. But that's not even today. That's not a surprise because uh, some of these where there have been releases of passwords and people have done the analysis, the the password 
password is still right up at the top of the charts. Well, yeah, I remember last year's last year's favorite password was password, and this year the favorite password was password one. So people apparently um, had to change their passwords, and they they cleverly disguised it by adding a one to it. But you know, I think the one challenge I tend to prefer simple passwords on throwaway sites as well. But my bigger challenge is um, passwords on mobile devices. Uh, it, it's easy enough, and we'll talk about it in just a second. The different tools, most of the different tools that you use that are installed on your computer or in your browser will work automatically in your browser. You don't have to go and, and pull a, a password down and go cut and paste it into a website. You can These tools work automatically. Can't say the same for using an iPhone or an iPad or any other <clears throat> mobile device. Um, I, on my iPad, I have a an app version of the password tool that I use, LastPass. However, uh, it, it doesn't work with the, um, the password I mean, the web browser that I, I like to use. LastPass comes with its own browser, but I, I find that browser to be very clunky. It will automatically insert all your passwords when you go to sites, but otherwise it's a very, I think, average browser. I want a browser on the, the iPad that, that will also manage my passwords through LastPass, and, and I don't see that coming anytime soon unless some of these app developers have a partnership. Uh, but you, you, you mentioned about the, the days of the PIN numbers and the small passwords I think you mentioned at the beginning that the eight-character password was sufficient. I think that I've seen it enough now, and our, our good friend Sharon Nelson and John Simic have written on this, uh, that, that a 12-character password is really, the, uh, is, is really the minimum length that you want to use. Um, I, you know, I, I went to uh, one of the sites we're going to put up in the show notes is called the GRC Password Haystack which will take your password and analyze it and talk about how long it takes to crack a password using you know, online methods, which tend to be slower, or offline, once they get a hold of a list of passwords that, that, that they need to crack, how long does it take to crack those passwords? And uh, it's, it's really interesting. My, my eight-digit my eight password would take, you know, the slower online attack would take 92 years, which is not bad, um, but, but an offline attack could crack it in 29 seconds. If I add an exclamation point to it or any other symbol, that only increases the time to six minutes. So my eight-digit password, the one I used to use all the time, eight digits, no longer works. I think that even when you go to 10 and 11 characters, the, the, uh, I tend to, tend to not do, do much. So uh, to me, the idea is um, not to figure out a password that no computer can guess. It's eventually there's going to be a computer that's smart enough to guess every password. I think the idea is to construct a password that will take so long to crack, it won't matter to you. And so if you use password haystack, I, I went in and I did some testing and, and an 11 digit password would take 1.83 years to crack. Even if you're using uppercase, lowercase number symbols, it still is only going to take 1.83 years to crack, but just add one digit to 12 and it's now 174 years, which should be enough for your purposes. Just add one more, go to 13 digits and it's now 16,500. Hundred years. So um, having having things that are that are that long tends to be, uh, I, I think, where where the best practice is for passwords. Uh, Dennis, now that we're keeping passwords this long, what what are your strategies for uh, for 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 managing the passwords? Now that we know that we've got to keep them all different in different places. Well, you know, 
I was as I was doing research for the show. I got. I must confess, my approach is is going to change. But I mean, I think that uh, with the notion of strong passwords, especially, there's a there's always a trade off between security and convenience. And and in this case, the convenience is actually being able to memorize something or to avoid writing things down so that it's easy for somebody to get it. So I sort of think that you can you can go say you have the you've you know have had good discipline on the eight character password for a while. I mean I sort of think that you could do something where you you take that eight character password and you repeat it twice or reverse it and repeat it or reverse it twice and you get a 24 character password that's probably pretty strong. You know if you have a strong password to begin with. Uh, you know, some of these hacks or, or attacks will will look for patterns, so you, you do have a bit of, of of danger there. So you can do some things like that, or you know, there's there's been a tradition out there of the the root plus suffix. So you you have something that's you know stays consistent, and and then you change that for each site, um, and then you use sort of the strong password elements in that. So there's a combination of of letters and symbols and that sort of thing. And in a way, that reminds a bit of the you know the sort of key fob approach where you have a, a pin number and then you pull the digits off of off of the key fob you know so there is uh, so there's that random element that that helps you so similar sort of concept but instead of the the digits you know you use something that that's easier for you to remember now what I realize now is that the danger in the types of releases of passwords are if they get added to a to a hacking dictionary um, then potentially those become vulnerable and then if you're really part of a focused attack which hopefully none of us will be that you know any type of pattern is is going to be problematic which all of which i think leads us toward the 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 password safe concept um, as being one place that we store the passwords and maybe have them randomly ge generated which i think is is the uh, the direction that you've pretty much gone with with the the tool you use tom i think that's true i mean i i, I still think that the passphrase is a is a good uh, strategy. I mean, I, I have a passphrase for one or two sites. Um, I use a passphrase for, say, my wireless router at home. People think I'm crazy for having a long passphrase, but I don't want people hacking into my wireless. Um, I choose a song. I have my favorite song, and I will will create a passphrase out of each line of that song as necessary. Whenever I want to change it, I just go on to the next line of the song or another line of the song. And so if I if I go to the to the password haystack and, and I plug that in, um, it's a 25 character passphrase. I substitute some of the letters for numbers. I put some symbols in there. Um, and my current passphrase is strong enough. It would take 89 trillion trillion centuries to crack. So I'm I'm fairly confident that that passphrase is going to, to withstand the test of my time anyway. But, but using that on too many sites, I think, presents a problem. That's why I prefer to use a password manager so that I can generate strong random passwords for every site that are different for every single site. And, and I prefer LastPass. The reason why I like it is because it is available on so many uh, services. Now, most of the things I'm going to mention now are also available 
too, but LastPass, I think, was one of the first that did this. And it's called LastPass because they only expect you to remember one password, and that's the password to get into LastPass. And so uh, if you if you know that password, but you got to make sure it's a strong one. Uh, it's, it, it, LastPass can be hacked just as well as anything else. Um, it works with all the browsers. It syncs across all of your devices. It works with Mac, Linux, WebOS, Android, BlackBerry, Symbian, you name it. It works with it. They're, all the all the passwords are encrypted, and they're only decrypted on your computer when you enter the password in there. I think the idea is is great. I like being able to access my passwords wherever I happen to be. If you're a Mac user, you may be familiar with One Password. Um, it also works with Windows, iPhone, iPad, and Android. Not as many platforms, uh, but <clears throat> but something that that uh, many Mac users use and really like. And I, I really love the iPad app for One password. Um, I used to use RoboForm all the time. In the early days, uh, I, I used RoboForm a lot. And RoboForm, I think, is is as good or, or uh, as LastPass is because it, it's available for the same platforms and offers the same kind of functionality. I, I guess my only other thing would be is if, if you're nervous about keeping all your passwords in an online service, there are a lot of people who are nervous about keeping them in the cloud, then you might consider using something like an Iron Key. An Iron Key is a USB drive. It, it comes with built-in password management so you plug it into your computer you it enters the passwords in for you and it takes all evidence of those passwords away from whatever computer you're using as soon as you're done with it so it's nice to have that with you my my fear is is that i tend to lose usb keys very very easily now people couldn't get into it uh, they wouldn't be able to access the passwords but i wouldn't be able to get into it either so that's one reason why i don't use that but if you're if you're leery of, of cloud services then uh, then that's uh then that's th those are a couple uh, different uh, different things to think about dennis any other thoughts you want to share on 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 software or strategies for for managing passwords yeah, I just mentioned on, on the Mac users, there's a the keychain uh, program that's built into the the Mac OS. That's that's pretty useful. Um, you want to back this stuff up uh, because if you do have a problem, you realize that you may not have access to that. And then, of course, it, it almost goes without saying, if you forget the password to one of these password managers, I mean, you've lost everything. Um, I, there's always this trade-off between, as I said, convenience and security. And so using these things just makes it harder to do the normal stuff. And it's kind of annoying to us, but it's sort of, I guess, the price of being on the Internet these days. Um, you know, a couple episodes ago, we talked about digital estate planning. You realize how much more complicated you're going to make it for your survivors when she, with all these strong passwords you're using. Um, and so that's something to keep into account, uh, you know, take into account as you as you plan your digital estate. And then uh, it's also useful to think in terms of the, the sort of brute force attacks, are in, you know, say that they're going to try all these things and run these dictionaries at your password. Well, if you're able to do some things where you can have a setting where you limit the number of, of wrong attempts to, you know, to, you know, from three, eight, what, you know, whatever, some limited number, then, then these, these brute force attacks won't work because you just won't have access after a, a certain point. And, and so I think that's, that's a, that's a big protection. And then I think some of the newer things out there, uh, you know, like the biometrics, uh, which, which I just raise all kinds of the digital estate <laughs> planning issues for me. Like what happens when you're gone if everything is tied to biometrics? And then the two factors 
factor security when you know, you're asked a question, you know, what's your favorite color, who was your best friend growing up, you know, that that sort of thing. Um, those are becoming more common, uh, you know, as a way to, to help protect those things. So you might, might also want to think of if you're answering those questions, if it's information that's really easy for somebody to find, you might want to, you know, give wrong answers or, or, you know, type in an answer that is, uh, you know, in a way, a kind of strong answer that that's, you know, something that you can remember, but not, you know, put some symbols or something in there. Um, I, I find when I do those things, I have a hard time because it will ask me like, you know, which, you know, a name, a friend or a color. And I'll have no no idea what I might have done at the time, especially if it was a few years ago. I was talking to a colleague yesterday and he said he hated the, you know, the name of your favorite pet because he had all these great pets as he's grown up and he hates to just name one. You know, so that raises its own issues. Yeah. One other two other things I want to mention in terms of uh, suggestions for folks is if you happen to use uh, Google products, if you use Gmail or any of the other Google tools, uh, they offer their own two factor authentication, which I think is is really great. Um, if, if you're interested, uh, we'll put some links in the show notes. Once you get it set up, just log into your site and you'll be prompted to enter your regular passcode. Um, and then and then once you enter your regular passcode for the, for one time, it will ask you for your authentication code, much like the the tokens or the fobs that, that Dennis was talking about. You can download to your either your iPhone or to your Android phone the Google Authenticator, which provides you with with randomly generated, frequently generated uh, passcodes that you can use. And so. So I, it, it's not so annoying that it asks you to do that every time you log in. It keeps, it remembers you for, for 30 days. But this security really is to protect against somebody who tries to access your account from another computer. So if you're using Google tools, I highly recommend uh, adopting the two-factor authentication. LastPass also recently announced that they support two-factor authentication as well. So that's, again, another another plus for using the LastPass tool. And one other link we'll post on the site is if, if you're wondering whether or not your LinkedIn password happened to be one of those that was stolen, um, I'm going to post, post a link to the page from LastPass where you can securely enter your password and they will tell you, whether it's hash marks, whether the, the digital characteristics of your password are found in the file that was leaked so that you can then go and take steps to protect your password online. Before we move on to our next segment, let's take a quick break with a few words from our sponsor, Clio. Hi, my name is Kay Kenny from Legal Talk Network, and I'm joined by Jack Newton, president of Clio. Jack is going to talk to us about the role of security in cloud computing. Jack, what about security? Are there any ethical or security-related concerns that need to be addressed with cloud computing? We're starting to see the first ethics opinions come out on cloud computing, and the early proposed ethics opinions like that from the North Carolina State Bar indicate that there are no ethical issues relating to the use of cloud computing in a law firm, but that as with the use of any third-party provider, an appropriate amount of due diligence needs to be undertaken to verify that the provider you're using has implemented an adequate level of security and privacy precautions and is essentially taking due care with your confidential client data. We've been talking to Jack Newton, president of Clio. Thank you so much, Jack. Thank you. And if you'd like to get more information on Clio, feel free to visit www.goclio.com. That's G-O-C-L-I-O.com. If you like listening to the Kennedy Mile Report, you might also like the podcast, Law Technology Now on LegalTalkNetwork.com. 
You can advertise with us at Legal Talk Network and have your own commercial playing in this podcast. Just give us a call anytime at 781-551-9960 or shoot us an email at admin at legaltalknetwork.com. We're glad you're listening to Legal Talk Network. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, too. And welcome back to the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy. In this segment, which we call The Rant, we unleash Tom on a tech topic that has irritated him lately. I'll then take a devil's advocate position, which I might or might not agree with, and then Tom will come back and destroy all my arguments. It should be fun. Tom, what's bugging you today? You know what's bugging me today? What really bugs me, and I'm going to ignore the fact that I may have done this in the past, what really bugs me are people who rush out to try the latest social media tool without paying attention to how it might be affecting those around them. Uh, One of the things that I notice when I sign up for a social media tool is it almost always asks, sometimes it doesn't, which is a fault of the tool, so my rant is against these tool providers as well, who do you want, what do you want to share with other people and where do you want to share it? Pay attention to those settings very carefully before you start to post random things or do random things on that social uh, media tool. And I will give a couple of examples that that, that haven't happened to me. Uh, I'll, I'll give the ones that did happen to me. But the, the examples that I've seen most recently, um, when Pinterest uh, came out as a very popular tool for pinning things, there were a number of people who decided that they were going to pin every single thing they knew about in their entire lives to the Pinterest site. They just would pin and pin and pin, and they forgot that they had also, uh, in their settings, the settings were configured to post everything they pinned on Pinterest also on their Twitter account. So I'm sitting here having to digest this vomiting of Twitter posts on something that somebody posts to their uh, to their Twitter feed. It was really, really, really annoying to have to deal with all of that crap in my Twitter feed. The other thing I think is more uh, embarrassing for the person uh, than annoying for us. I personally enjoy it, but uh, I think it's embarrassing. And and it came up. I know Dennis for you and me this past week with two different friends of ours uh, on Facebook who uh, who happened to be using the new web tool Social Cam and. I haven't visited Social Cam, but apparently when you view a video using Social Cam, it lets all of your friends around you know that you're viewing that video. And so both Dennis and I now have examples of friends of ours who have watched videos that uh, that they probably don't want their friends to know that they've watched, uh, I think is a, is a nice way of putting it. And so I think the, the rule here is go in and look at your settings. Now, I am absolutely guilty of this, and and it's happened to me before, although not quite as embarrassingly as that. Uh, I have posted to, I think, Facebook um, a number of songs that I listened to on Spotify. I didn't realize Spotify was doing it. Facebook was posting a lot of the songs that I've listened to, and uh, when I realized that, uh, that uh, I think that it was, um, uh, I I think think that it was fixed, but uh, still, I don't think that that excuses anybody, and there's my rant. My rant is, pay attention to your social media settings, folks, because we don't want to be the victim of your inability to, uh, to, to properly configure your settings. I hope I'm not upsetting anybody by saying that, but that's the way I feel at this moment. Dennis, convince me otherwise. You know, 
Tom, I actually don't even have a devil's advocate argument on this one because it's uh, – but I do have a memory of, of my favorite of the things that you accidentally were posting, which which you, of course, have forgotten conveniently, which was that at some point you had your Foursquare account tied to Twitter. And so I – and I emailed you one day to say, hey, Tom, do you really want people to know that you went to the doctor and picked up a prescription, uh, you know, an hour later? And, you know, the good thing is that you've forgotten that and and you can pretend it was somebody else. But, you know, I, I think those things happen accidentally. And uh, you, you just got to know the settings on those things. When somebody's asking to use your Facebook account or to share things, I mean, their definition of sharing is probably going to be different than yours. And if there's one thing that everybody should do is is to go into Facebook and check their app setting and see what apps are installed and, and what kinds of things they're sharing and, and put put some blocks on that stuff. Uh, you know, some people may want to share stuff, but the social cam thing is just unbelievable, the things I've seen. And, and even if I were tempted to, like, click on the video that somebody's watched, I'm afraid that it will send, you know, will send out over Facebook that, that I, I watched it too. So um, I don't even click on those things. Um, so I, on, on this one, Tom, I, I got to agree, agree with you that maybe we don't want to share as much as the next person, but people need to think carefully about what's going on and also to, to find out what it is they are sharing. You know, not everybody has friends uh, who are going to tell them because it is funny sometimes when you see somebody start to share things. Well, you're no fun that you're not choosing to pick a fight with me on this. So all I will say is I will strenuously deny that I accidentally was broadcasting this stuff from Foursquare onto Twitter. I actually initially wanted to share that. I was in the, you know, the age of sharing. We need to share everything. I have since reconsidered that, I think, like all reasonable people would do. Um, I no longer went share anything on uh, from Foursquare uh, on either Twitter or Facebook. I'll occasionally on Facebook, but those are friends who I trust and I don't share everything there. But uh, that was because I took a reasoned look at what I was doing and, 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 and paid attention to it and made the right settings. I, I encourage everybody to go to a site called mypermissions.org. Uh, mypermissions.org, you can connect to all of your accounts and it will take you to a page that shows you all the permissions you have granted for every service you've ever signed up from, whether it's a crazy Facebook game or whether it's a, that video service that you're watching videos, you probably don't want anybody else to know about. And it helps you, it sh takes you to the page where you can either revoke or modify the permissions that you have granted. I'll put a link in the show notes, but mypermissions.org may be a lifesaver for many of you. Yeah, that's a great site, Tom. Uh, now it's time for our parting shots. That one tip, website or observation you can use the second this podcast ends. Tom, take it away. I have two parting shots. The first, very quickly, if you're interested in, this is for your cocktail party chatter, if you're interested in some of the words used in the past phrases stolen from LinkedIn, the top five included words that you would automatically associated with LinkedIn, link work and job those were part of the passphrases that were that were the most used passphrases used those words so incredibly easy for somebody to figure out the other two in the top 5 were the perennial favorite 1234 and also god which i thought was interesting but they're both very easy to crack Interest, interestingly many of the common words that were used in passphrases were actually foul words i think it's interesting that people are using curse words as part of their linkedin login anyway uh, my my other one is to let you know that 
that, the law practice management section is pleased to announce that we now have 24 of our law practice management titles available in the iBook store from Apple. So if you have an iPad or an iPhone, uh, head over there, type in American Bar Association in the iBook store, and you'll find books like Dennis's LinkedIn in one hour, my iPad in one hour for lawyers, um, Microsoft Outlook, uh, Locked Down, uh, Unbundling Legal Services. There are a number of great titles that you can now view from the uh, from the co- comfort of your iPad or iPhone. Dennis. I, I'm going to top you, and I have three really quick ones. The first one is is just is an article that changed my thinking about passwords as part of the research that we did on this, and it's called Passwords, LinkedIn, and Beyond. It's on the Electronic Frontier site. June 11th by Dan Auerbach and Seth Schoen. Uh, terrific article. I recommend that to, to everyone. Second thing is I was uh, dropped my car off to be worked on yesterday, and I was got a ride to work from uh, the dealer, and uh, the guy who was driving me was just playing regular FM station. And it's been a long time since I've heard a FM you know, morning zoo show. And it just reminded me why I love podcasts so much and, and what drove me away from radio to podcasts. So if you're suffering through those morning zoo type shows on your commute, you really got to look into podcasts, you know, either the ones on the Legal Talk Network or elsewhere, because I don't know how people can listen to that stuff. And the third thing is uh, our our friend and legal technologist, uh, Ron Friedman, went and did a, a, some research on big law firms that are offering online services, and it's on his blog. It's called The Current State and Future of Big Law Online Legal Services. It's tended to think that only small firms are are doing the online services, and there's a lot of interest in this area because of the LegalZoom IPO and other things that are, that are happening. Uh, so if you have any interest at all in e-lawyering and what's going on, I think Ron's done a great service uh, to let us know what's going on in, in the big law firms. And that wraps it up for this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Information on how to get in touch with us, as well as links to the topics we discussed today, are available on our show notes blog at tkmreport.com. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast at the Legal Talk Network site or in iTunes. And if you have questions or suggestions for upcoming episode topics, please email us at tkmreport at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at tkmreport. So until the next podcast, I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy. And you've been listening to the Kennedy Mile Report on the Legal Talk Network, the premier online legal media network. Protect your passwords by subscribing to this podcast on iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to the Kennedy Mile Report. Check out Dennis and Tom's book, The Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies, Smart Ways to Work Together, from ABA Books or Amazon. And join us every other week for another edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, only on the Legal Talk Network.